Productions. Welcome to the Train Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This is where we teach, reach, associate, isolate, nourish, and thrive. Where everything is positive, and we most definitely don't commend the negative. Welcome to the Train Podcast. Yo, 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 welcome back, welcome back. 31 days, 31 straight. Y'all thought I wasn't going to be here, but I'm here, bitch. I'm here. I'm here. And I got some backup today. I got some backup today. It's a family affair, man. It's a family affair. I'm feeling good about this episode. I've thought about it for a while. Um, Talked to them about uh, doing the episode um, for a while, good while. So it was going to make it. But I got my cousin Keisha and my cousin C. What's up, what's up? They're in it. One is a therapist, one is a photographer. Um, I don't know if y'all want to explain the other titles, if y'all got other titles. But we some, go ahead. I'm the photographer, formerly known as a photographer. Um, That's all I want. I like to consider myself uh, an um, all-around creator these days. So. There we go. There we go. Well, yeah, go ahead and introduce yourself, guy. Go ahead. Either I'm Keisha. I am uh, the dope black therapist, uh, healing conduit, Root worker, if you will. Um, I love my craft. Yeah, woman. <laughs> <laughs> my my name is Sierra. Um, uh, I am an artist of all forms, but the one that people know me mostly for is photography. There we go. I like that. Artist many forms. Okay. Well, what we're here to do basically is talk our shit. Uh, we know a lot in this room. When you combine all the thoughts in this room and you combine all the things that we do, we learn, experience, um, it's going to make for a great conversation. So, with that being said, um, so you just said Dope Black Therapist. Yeah. And that is your Instagram name. Yes. <laughs> yes, my Instagram needs to be a little bit more pumping, but I'm working on it. I'm working okay. on it. Okay. <laughs> and because you uh, see you're still Beautiful Bullets? Um, yes, Beautiful Bullets. My personal one is Sierra, the creator. Okay. They're the so, same. So, why the names? Why why those names for your guys' business? Um, like how I envision myself for uh, my career and, and who I am is just like recognizing my own dopeness. Um, and I think like a strong part of that is, you know, my identity as a black person, um, as a service provider, provide services to everyone, but just how I see myself and who I, who I am, you know, is just, dope and black Indeed. <laughs> I'm also a therapist and you know it's not my identity but I, I do see myself as and my path my life path as as a healing conduit and so just kind of pulling that all together what about oh, you see I get why beautiful bullets all the time because I could have easily gone Sierra Wave photography like the rest of the world um but it's so basic though <laughs> I know I'm just I'm, I'm too saucy I'm too saucy for it um so uh what made beautiful bullets is like simply put it's like uh I shoot people right but when you think about bullets they are uh, um striking impactful uh uh, drop Zed you know gorgeous images but um but also like just life-changing and people don't think of photography this way but i do so um life-changing um imagery 
that can really change your mindset, change your life path um, based on one incident, one photo shoot, one session, whatever the case may be. And that's more so the uh, feel that I get from photography as opposed to just Sierra Wade photography. Okay. So we'll just stay on that subject. What sparked your interest in photography then? Well, um, I started off doing makeup in college because I did not think I could take a good picture. I just didn't think I could. Um, and one day I really sat down and said, girl, how, how dare you disrespect yourself like that to think that you cannot do something before you even give yourself a chance to try. Um, so from that moment on, I said, we're going to give it a shot. And I started photo shoot Friday and every Friday I got together makeup artists um, because I had been doing makeup on campus so long that I had built up clientele. Yes. And, and people who wanted to get into it. So I had makeup artists, I had models, I had um, other photographers. I really built up a strong network in college and it was pretty easy to do a photo shoot every single Friday with a solid team. So that was a really good experience for me. Okay. All right. So King, uh, Honestly, I never knew that you were interested in therapy. Um, never knew that you were studying it to go to go to school <laughs> until you became a therapist. You know I <laughs> think is, that's the way everybody is, felt. Which is, which is fucking crazy because when I hear about shit like that, I feel bad. You know what? what I'm saying? Because for me, we family, right? And in a way, we're supposed to either you know be me in your corner when you're doing things like that. Or I'm supposed to know and be, be, you know, cheering for and rooting you on, you know what I'm saying, giving you motivation and things like that. Or even just giving you your flowers, you know, pretty much. I don't want to have to give them to you as soon as you get it, you know. That's kind of, I feel like it was kind of just bad on my part, not knowing. No. Yeah, for me, for me. I think, like, when you see someone, you know, and you're kind to them, you're nice, it's a what's up, it's love, mm -hmm. like, that's still giving a person their flowers, you know, or True. recognizing them. And maybe the time is not in sync right now to share that. And at a later point, you, you think we synced up right now and we're talking about it, but that doesn't mean that you did anything wrong or misstep just because you were not knowing. Right. You know, I feel that, but we family. <laughs> like I said. <laughs> I'm supposed and I to feel, know. And I feel like I'm supposed to know. <laughs> but even with that, man, um, you you've done an abundance of things in life, man. But what what really, man, piqued your interest with with therapy? When did that begin for you? I got a really cool story if you want to hear it. <laughs> yes. um, it's it's kind of long. It's, is, it's 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 kind of long. What we came here to do. It's kind of long. Here. It's a two. It's a two. It's a twofer. <laughs> um, but um, so just as a kid, um, I grew up in a very controlled and restricted upbringing, mm -hmm. um, and I just kind of was very curious about family members and people and why the world was the way that it was. Um, but it was never okay to like question that. Um, but one of the things that, uh, that I know from therapy about like what helped me become a therapist that you talked about recently on one of your shows was like representation. Um, and very, fun, very interesting story. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, living in a project, um, on the east side, and I'm talking young. Um, right. We, I just like walked outside, um, and like Amy and 
Big Joe and Jasmine House was like on the corner across the street from the center. And um, like they was all like playing like football in, the, in that little patch of grass, like by their house, the other kids. And like, that wasn't my thing. Like, you know, and I'm just kind of looking around, kind of like lost. And um, I see your dad walking with um, oh, Scotty. A, a kid. Um, and uh, he was walking with a boy. And I just remember like looking at him and was like, not knowing what his job was. I knew he worked at the center, but like not knowing what his job was. And it was just like, I know that he's being nice to that kid and I want to do that. Mm -hmm. And like not like having no clue. And then um, like, as I got older and we moved back to Freeport, um, I was like in like MAT and then um, TJ Thetford Jackson um, mm -hmm. was like a over like, MAT program and that we were in at the center and I would just like always look at him and like ask him like what is what is your job what you want to do and like those were the like seeing those two men particularly black men were like I know they're helping people I don't know what their job is TJ told me his job was he was the group coordinator and like in my head at that time like oh I want to be a, a group coordinator and then um, I thought like I'm I didn't think that I was smart enough to be a counselor. Um, and I remember like in Ms. Ms. Baker class, uh, <laughs> she like, they asked us for AVID and I was just like, yeah, I can't do that. So I'm going to say I'm going to be a social worker. Like not knowing at the time that social work and, um, and counseling was technically the same thing. Yep. Um, but counseling, you know, the degree that I have is like more specific to, to counseling than social work is. But essentially they're the same. And that was kind of like the foundation of like, me coming to, you know, questioning my surroundings and things like that. It's a very, I don't know if it's unique, but it, for me and nobody else, I don't think had those type of questions that I had as a kid. And there really wasn't an outlet for it, but definitely seeing people in the helping professions was like, okay, help me navigate. And, you know, I almost didn't go to school and I went to school like later in life. And so... That's how I came to to be. So do you feel like that's when your drive started? Um or I had like some a, rough like, like that's a different some time. rough like young adult things mm -hmm. that like I always loved like I really loved learning, but I had like learning disabilities and like I just grew up thinking that I wasn't smart. And so that was like very traumatic and discouraging. Um I want to footnote that. We'll get back into that. Okay. Um, it was very discouraging. And so, like, I wanted to go to college out of high school, but you don't have the resources, like, to pay for that. And I also, like, I'm not smart. Like, my grades are not good enough for to get a scholarship or, like, to know how to navigate this. And I just kind of, like, made some poor choices um, in my life in young adulthood to the point was that I was like, this is unacceptable for yeah. for me. It was unacceptable, and I was just like, you know, maybe I'm not smart, but I'm a hard worker, and I'm about to do the shit, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and and that's like that kicked in, and I, you know, I was kind of, uh, I would say a little bitter um, about like not having opportunities growing up. Yeah, and very. I was very much like, you know. Fuck it, I'm, I'm I'm about to make something about myself, you know, yeah, and you know, very much, you know, driven in that way. When I finally like my behavior is unacceptable. This is not what I intended for my 
for myself. And, you know, you look for mentorship or, but there is, there is no one, you know. Mm, that, okay, that leads me to a, a great next question then. <clears throat> with our, with our industries that, that we're all in, um, and I'm very interested to see, to hear your, your answers, uh, Key. But who, who's are some of you guys' muses? Like, who's, who's some of the people that guided you or people you guys look up to, man, when it comes to the things you do or your industry that you're in? Go ahead, see. Um, For me, um, I went to YouTube University for a lot of my photography <laughs> learning. <laughs> um, so, so there were a lot of um, photographers that I looked at for, okay, so I, I kind of categorized it. So when I was looking for technical items, I had a plethora of white people making content that I can digest to understand, if you know photography, then ISO, um, aperture, and my shutter speed, and how to regulate my settings on my camera, and how to regulate lighting. Um, but something about the imagery just wasn't saucy enough. So um, I uh, intentionally seeked out um, black artists that kind of had the aesthetic that I was looking for, um, and I learned a lot of stylizing things from them. Um, so YouTube was a big help for me. Um, but in addition to that, uh, I also was able to, because uh, because Freeport didn't really have a space in general. It has nothing. Oh, <laughs> but, but we'll get into that. <laughs> um, it didn't really have like a space for me to uh, occupy that already existed, and that would mean that I had to create an entire infrastructure, which was a really big undertaking for me, especially coming from college. I went to HBCU where there were a lot of, I joined a modeling organization as a photographer my first week um, in college. So uh, side question, what college did you go to? I went to Central State University. <laughs> hey, 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 shout out to y'all. Um, <laughs> um, but um, so that, but when I came back to Freeport, it was a really big adjustment to have like kind of everything kind of at your fingertips as far as, uh, creative outlets and other creatives to work with and to come to Freeport where there weren't as many is what I would say. Uh, um, so I uh, started doing things in um, Rockford and uh, I was able to link up with Richard Moore. Sorry, Zen. Um, <laughs> name, name drop. Sorry. <laughs> um, um, and he was able to get me in contact with a lot of the uh, community in Rockford and from there I did art shows and I met new people and so forth and so on I was able to um, meet a lot of the photographers in that area and they've been very helpful too okay I, have, I do have another side question um, you can be brief or you can go however long and both of y'all can answer this but how important is it for a young black adult or just graduating college I mean high school how important is it, or what can you express to them your your experience of going to a historical black college? Oh, um, the biggest difference, be, coming from Freeport where I went to a PWI, um, this is embarrassing, but I'm going to say it anyway, I did not know that there were black people who went to predominantly black high schools. Like, the idea, like, the concept was... Yeah mind-boggling to me yeah. like people went to hbc and they was like oh this is like nothing it's what nothing. you what you mean it's like nothing <laughs> you know right. I, I i had always gone to pwis uh my not pwis but like predominantly like white not, schools not necessarily uh integrated not predominantly black is the point i'm 
not done. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but so like to go to, and I think that my experience is something that uh, people don't talk about a lot, but because I am well-spoken and I don't think that people expect uh, black Very. people to be well-spoken, I hate to say this, but I think I flew under the radar a lot where people gave me more credit, like teachers, they gave me more credit than I actually deserved um, just for being well-spoken and being well-behaved. Um, well, you only really talk when you really had something to say in high school. You didn't yeah. talk a lot. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't a social butterfly. But I think that going to HBCU, it really turned that on its head for me because uh, there are there were tons of well-spoken like there, every type of every type of human that existed right. existed at my HBCU, and they were just black. Like that, that that was it. So it was just like a p a predominantly yeah, but, but black. Um, so I think that getting rid of that race uh part of a school really meant a lot to me. And then also um being around so many different types of black people for me meant a lot for me. Um, just to see the variety and um everything that was done at my HBCU was done by black people. Right. I mean, not to say that no white people work there because they did, but like when we had student led events, this beautiful event that you're at, all black people put it together. And right. that created Man. a lot of pride and um, community for me. Yeah. And I think like, um, like growing up, like when we moved back to Freeport, like we had a very different upbringing. And then I think like what people would, would typically expect, especially from Freeport. They don't know yeah. where we moved to, girl. You just yeah, like we like we lived in Georgia for a long time, and it was like heavily like multicultural, like heavily, you know. So it wasn't a matter of white or black, like Asian, you know, Hispanic. kindergarten, like first grade, like you're taking Russian and, and Japanese, like that was we know the our, Japanese like, alphabet. Like our right. our friends were like wow. always like. Wow foreign like you know I had one friend from India one friend from Bosnia and you mm. know it was just a very and so like when we moved back to Freeport I think like Sierra might have had it like a little Worse. harder a harder than <laughs> than I did but like by black people in our family you know people make fun of how you talk or you know like you're rejected like you y'all acting white or y'all talk this way and you know you can't sit with us and like these is our cousins and you know and I think you don't have a space. Yes. You don't feel welcomed by necessarily the black community at that juncture. Yeah. So I think like, you know, you're talking about your experience, like going to a HBCU and then also having that backstory of of not meshing well with with black people around you, you know, even family. It can be like, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I mean, we even get looked at as eyeballs here. Yeah. You know, because yeah. a lot of people don't understand. <laughs> the world around them, yes. or having, <laughs> I understood, or having, yeah, yeah, or having been outside, yeah, that's of their community yeah. and things like mm -hmm. that. Like people, I tell people all the time, you need to travel, yeah, mm -hmm. you need to see something different. You know, you need a new experience. I, I think like that was like growing up in Georgia was a very a very big factor in understanding long term that like there was more to life than Freeport, and I can be something else because I've seen other things. Um, I think we don't really, it's a term in, in therapy called identity development of how a human being forms their sense of self and their identity. And it is literally self caregivers, family, extended family, 
community school and like it it's intentional that way so like when you hear a lot of uh black men and and males say well I wanted to be like the drug dealer because that's what I saw I wanted to I couldn't play ball or I you know this is your path drug the modeling comes through who am I is based off of what I see and that's how you develop your sense of self so you really learn I think especially in Freeport um at a young age that my options are limited being a black person. Like it is part of human psychology Talk that, that this is why we are, we're formed this way. Talk and so shit. when I saw uncle Scotty, when I saw that's all I had, I'm, I'm the oldest. And I think, you know, the oldest position of like being a kid can, can be um, very hard. Everybody kind of says, um, you know, like the younger kids are looking up to you. You're supposed to be an example or a role model. Who is the example for the oldest? And they're yep. parentified to raise other kids, but then they have no authority. And who are they looking up to? Like, I didn't have any role models um, at all. And it was like very devastating when I first, you know, came to like learning counseling and going to school you just learn the material, like overlap it over your life. And like, how does this show up to me? I was very young. Like I wanted to be an ice skater when I was a little kid. And like, you know, project days was young before yeah. we moved to Georgia. Like, you know, to, to tell myself, like, you can't be that because y'all ain't got enough money. Like it was instant. Nope, 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 nope. You know, and typically when kids develop, they want to be something outlandish of like Spider-Man or, an astronaut and then they start looking around oh that guy's a firefighter down the street i want to be a firefighter i want to do this that is their path when you go into like counseling was was started by um this guy named like frank parsons who was really into helping young people find their path and the way that you get to it is go back to their childhood and say what did you want to be when you grew up what were you interested in though that's your path you don't have a child you are the path how are you going to pull out what's in them because they have their own path who would you, who'd you say said that what what the you just person. said no one said i'm saying it no i'm talking oh, okay the person who founded therapy oh frank yeah. parsons he's frank parsons. he's like the founder of counseling okay so that's funny because so without me even knowing that i've been telling people that um think about the things that you've done in your past your passions what did you like to do as a kid yep um so for me it was you know drawing on t-shirts yep um, going out to the Y and acting like I'm on somebody else's team. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. You know, that's imagination. That's, like, that's... like, you know, this is permanent marker on your shirt. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, but that's what I'm doing. So then I think about it now. Like, okay, I'll, I have a brand. This is what I'm doing now, you know? Yeah. And that's what I always wanted. So, yeah, I mean, what's his name again? I'm sorry. Frank Parsons. He sounds like a drug dealer. I ain't going <laughs> <laughs> not Frank Luke, it's Frank Parsons. <laughs> um, but like, you know, when you think about how like people's expectations of their kids and, you know, trying to give them their li your life or they should be what you want them to be is not how we're designed to be. Like everybody has their own path and own own journey. And I think like, we need to be accountable for the 
the killing of dreams of Ooh. of mm-hmm. self Ooh. to towards our children Ooh. and she on the road she on the road you know like she it's 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 vital like it is vital like it, and you you, you cannot <laughs> you can't stress how important it is and there's so many disconnects along the way like i don't know why such and such turned out that way there x y and z gave them everything you know and that's you don't know what happened you know, it looks like something on the outside, but that may not be what it is. No, that's that's real. That's real. Everybody, everybody can look great on the outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the internet, man. <laughs> for real. Shout out to the internet. Shout out to the internet. <laughs> Filter game, crazy, crazy. <laughs> you know, and it's not to be like hard or demeaning, but like it is a real truth that our current condition we have to start taking responsibility for it's not like we weren't hurt or things weren't done to us get curious about yourself get curious about things that you experience and and look and search for a light somewhere to to hang on to in spite of what you've been through because the outcomes of who we are going to be as a collective and as individuals depend on how we're raising our kids and while we're on it um but uh, i because my sister is a therapist um i think that i do a lot of extra reflecting um just (laughs) just because of the dialogue that we often have um and one of the things that i have stumbled upon and i when i stumbled upon it i was like i wonder how many people don't know this is an option for them um but keisha always says that when i was young i used to make potions um i think i really did call them potions but i I know you did i I would just be like mixing up dirt (laughs) in bowls (laughs) dirt and grass <laughs> um, mixing two perfumes together, calling it a day. <laughs> yes, like my mom used to be like, "On oh, ass, like Sierra, you like messed up the entire bathroom." And she like, "I was making a po- Keisha, you want to try my post? Like, and it's like lotion mixed with like rocks and it's grass turn you into a giraffe." <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I think that uh, that genuine curiosity, that genuine um, desire to create, has always been in me, and um, I don't think I necessarily had a model of what it should look like or permission to do clearly I was in trouble I didn't have permission to do it um but I think I always had like an innate desire to create and uh what I've learned on my journey is that uh, that's how I process my emotions so if I have a stressful week um I'm going to do a creative photo shoot I'm going to make a table I'm going to um uh start making bath salts I'm going to start making crystal jewelry like I'm going to get that emotion out of me there one way or another um and i think it's such a privilege that i have been blessed to explore that area of my life and i just know that so many people don't have we barely had you know they got squished (laughs) they they got they got squished someone told them that they couldn't someone told them that that's not that's not what a man does or someone squished them and they stopped trying um so i i think that my space right now is I'm, i'm trying to let kids adults anyone know that if it's on your heart you should do it like and and not necessarily so that you get accolades and praise for or even that you make money from it but that's how you can process your emotions that can be a meditation for you that can be a therapy for you without going to somewhere and doing something and that is completely acceptable and it's fine okay that which leads me to my next question so i'm not gonna say does it because obviously we all think that passing on the knowledge to the children or the next generation is obviously important 
But <clears throat> how can we, so let me rephrase it then, but how can we reach better to them? I think that for every individual, don't underestimate the power of what you do in your day-to-day. What's the difference of you, like, wagging your finger or going to talk or gossip about somebody's kids and what they doing or to say that girl going down the wrong path or, you know, she going to be like X, Y, and Z or that boy going to be this or that when you can, you know, hey, smooth. Tell your story. Tell them what you've been through. Like, hey, I see you doing this. Watch out for this. Or compliment kids and tell them, like, you're good at, at this or that. I see this in you. I see you a leader. I see you following and like I don't like that for you you know you're really good in this why don't you go check this out that's a day-to-day like encouragement and a lot of us are not getting that or or don't don't have that and so it's so simple just to be kind to someone or inspirational because you don't know what they're getting at home you don't know what their experience is like at school and it's very easy to oversimplify and say this is a bad kid or this a bad family or they hanging out with this person or what are you doing? Are you adding to gossiping? You know, don't just say you're going to pray for them. Literally go and like talk to somebody, make sure somebody see that you see them, you know? And I think that when I was a kid, failure was almost like the end of the world. Like it was always posed to me, like failing at something was, bad yeah. yeah like it was terrible it's um, over. It's the but, end. but I think teaching kids the bounce back um one day I was um making uh cupcakes with my niece and she uh spilled over a cup of uh flour and I think she thought I, I don't do this I don't yell at her but um I think I think that uh she thought I was gonna like say something but it, uh so she came to me and she said it's okay TT we all make mistakes sometimes and it always sticks with me all the time because what a smart little booger. Um, but like it, I, what I want to tell her is that it's always okay. All you got to do is pick it back up and pour another cup of flour and give it another go. I never want um, her or any kid to lose that thing that says, no, keep on going. You, you messed it up. Don't worry. What can you learn from that and do it better next time? And I don't think that kids necessarily get that. I think that a lot of times when they make a mistake, they are um, in trouble. It's the in end of trouble. the world. Yeah. Or someone fixes it for them and they don't have to make their new cup of flour mm-hmm. themselves and you don't learn so I, I think that that space oh. where they make their own flour again is super important instead Very. of you doing it or you yelling at them and stopping get them to keep on going yeah. and I, yep. I think that would fix Gotta a lot of things the yeah. lesson is is in the failure you know how do I do it the next time if I want to be successful right. you know it, it doesn't mean I'm bad it it really is a process of like learning what did I learn this time nobody came and fixed it for me so now I do know how to do it next time, and I have the confidence to go with that. But if if it's if it's not right the next time, I still got the bounce back, and I'm gonna keep at it. Okay, so we talked about raising raising our children in the household. Okay, so in behind all that, man, let's talk about black mental health. Okay. Um. See, so you said you like to. Do, uh, Art therapy is what I would call it. Yeah. <laughs> Explain that. <laughs> um, and I, I I don't know if I'm the best explainer of this because well, before, um, before before you break that down, Keisha, can you break down what is therapy? Um, therapy. There's different types of therapy. Um, 
therapies that you can have in counseling. A lot of times people think that it's straight talk therapy, um, but that is not what it is. And the field of psychology of counseling has really evolved to have very helpful tools to help people clear up trauma, to gain insight and things like that. Um, therapists in particular are trained to um, to help people assess patterns in their life. Um, so it's patterns in your life, patterns in your family, patterns in how you think, patterns in your behavior, and to explore you know, the changes that a person um, wants to make. And there is a method to it, but to come up with solutions. Um, I think therapy is accountability with compassion. A lot of times we get blame and no compassion or we get, you know, an out and not held accountable. And so therapy is an, a very nice balance of the both. Um, but it is your therapist should be in tune with you to to curate the compassion and accountability piece to meet your needs but you can you can essentially work on anything in therapy everything is not trauma work um the i like trauma work personally um and i don't think that we get anywhere with just kind of staying on the surface typically people want medicine or a quick cure but your medicines are not as effective as they could be without therapy um People, when they come in for therapy, they should be ready for therapy. Um, I think, like, that can be a very much so, like, a barrier in the black community. Typically, we come into contact with services uh, by police. Your ass out here getting arrested, and then somebody discovered that you have a mental health problem, and you're going to get referred, probation, parole, court, DCFS. You know, you go to, j you go to jail, and, like, Oops, we got, you know, we got something, you know, and like jail, because of their laws and liabilities might not get your ass your meds, you know, just because of what they they have. Now you're really struggling. DCFS come and take your kids, not a court mandating you to go if you if you want to go or you in a mental health crisis, you have a some sort of psychosis or breakdown that occurs and now you're in the ED. In crisis and you have impatience like so if you don't go and get it it's coming to get you you know like you're gonna have a way and you don't want it to be that way because crisis when people are in crisis they may really have a bad experiences because whoever's dealing with them might have their biases about them coming into therapy and you're really in a difficult situation so you're not regulated enough to be able to handle whatever they're going to tell you. So I think it's better when you come in voluntarily. It can be very damaging if you're forced to do therapy and you're not ready for it. I think that's something that kind of gets missed a lot. Um, and there's only so much you can do if, if a person is not ready for therapy and but they're mandated by courts or, or other, you know, crisis situations. Um, but therapy is really about exploring your past, your present, your future, where you want to be, and and coming up with like real solutions, gaining clarity, you know, on how to resolve those things. When we think about mental health, you know, at one point in your life, you need a particular set of coping skills in order to survive. So maybe like your coping skill was like to pop off, 
you know, at every little thing. Defend and, yourself. And that worked for you at some point in your life. It was effective. It becomes a mental health problem when you're out of that situation and you're continuing to use that same coping skill all the time. Okay, so like, it's not necessarily bad. I don't think that people understand the gravity or the breadth of of the human condition of like what it means to be human or you know you really have people have a lot of trauma um and they're I would say they're never really as they present you know we always like oversimplify somebody don't want to do it or you know they're not working hard they're bad or you know it's the oversimplification for what somebody is experiencing internally and we don't know that they might not even know it i do want to express how important people should take therapy um and really seek out to get it um, i do want to express that at one key point but go ahead see what's um what do you call it art therapy <laughs> it's ASMR. <laughs> um, no, but I, I think that it's had, it has uh, been a coping mechanism for me, um, even when I didn't know that it was. And I, I think that it could be a really good um, process. What I do is essentially, yeah, um, so I'll see something and I'll say, I can do that. <laughs> and, and the space between me saying, I can do that. And then me doing it is one step. I mean, right, it's, so give it's me, give really. Me, give me an example. Okay. So wow. I needed a table, right? I needed a table. And I was like, I'm going to make a table. There's no reason. I'm not poor. I can, I can, I can very much poor. so yeah. afford a table. Afford a table. Um, so but it's, it's different when you, when you make, make it, right? Yeah. And, and I think I was going through a thing too. Some, somewhere along the way, yeah. I was going through a thing that made me say, I'm going to make this table. Um, so I literally drove to the country to a wood man's house. Uh He had wood all over his backyard. Chopping trees. I picked a piece of wood. I don't know anything about wood. I picked a piece of wood, put it in the car, drove it back home, cleaned the wood up, sanded it down, epoxied it, never epoxied anything in my life, epoxied it, um, sanded it again, stained it, put it on some legs, and used it as a desk. I then, a couple of years later, took it off those legs, switch the legs out and put on new legs on it. <laughs> now, now what what this does for me personally, it builds confidence. Mm-hmm. So, when I see a task in my life, Man. through those experiences from doing things that I've never done in my life, uh-huh. I know I can do no it doesn't it doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> I I feel like if you guys could just be Keisha, I'm always like, "No, we can do that." Um, yeah. but that's my attitude towards everything. I can do it. Yeah. I I I if if it can be done, I can do it. Um, Everything. and and that that <laughs> process I think has been a very integral pros- part of my life in moving forward in companies, moving forward in my own businesses, yeah. uh, picking up new creative uh works, and really bouncing back after the fails. Um, and I don't I don't know if I would have learned those lessons any other way. Um, but while I'm actually working on the things, um, it's more like a meditation because I'm only focused on one thing. And whatever is going on in my actual life is not present in my brain while I'm working on it. So if I've never made a table before, I don't have time to worry about what's going on at work. I'm trying to make a table. Um, so 
So really focusing yeah. not on whatever's happening and letting that go kind of in like the background and, and really putting all my energy into one space and then getting confidence after it's done. Would highly recommend 10 out of 10 stars. Um, and that does build like from psychology, us, psychological perspective like that is how you build confidence um and the things from the the subconscious right brain goes into the conscious left brain it is put like that's where creativity lies from your subconscious i live there you have to become aware of it and it has to transfer across the midbrain barrier over to the left to become conscious and the left side of the brain is responsible for putting it into action. Yeah, broke down the game for y'all, boy. <laughs> you know, broke so, down the game for y'all, But, like, boy. you know, yeah, wish back I to her. Yeah, right now, boys. You broke down the fucking game, you know, boy. <laughs> But to her point, like, seeing her as a little kid make potions, and every time, like, at one point, she was, like, playing the guitar, and like, what the fuck? Like, you know, me, I'm like, what are you doing? But I, I, I've done a bunch of stuff. I, I had a mixtape, like a real mixtape. I put it at a gas station. Um, it was like, that shells. <laughs> that shells. <laughs> I'm not a rapper. I was rapping though. Um, um, I, I, I played the guitar for a little bit, you know, like, but, and I think that people look at people who kind of do what, do what I did um, as like people who like jump from things to things. But it, it's a it's a confidence builder. It's a creative process, and and I think that you should flow into whatever's flowing to you. And yeah. if it feels good, you should go with it. If it feels good, it's not hurting nobody. We can't hurt nothing. Like, <laughs> um, you're telling people this life is long. Man. Yeah. You got to do everything. Yeah. Do everything you do can. Do it all. Yeah. Everything you can. Yes, and I see a lot of people who feel very discouraged and very squished and very um, stressed. And when they get stressed, they do a whole bunch of nothing. But doing nothing doesn't build your confidence. Doing nothing doesn't make you want to do something. Doing nothing doesn't change your uh, position in life. And I think that a little bit of something could oh, really change shit, the game see. for a lot of people. But it, And it does make you less confident because the person that you're failing is yourself. So if you make a promise to yourself and you do not keep it or your subconscious gives you that and it transfers over to your conscious and you become aware of it, yep. you let yourself down. Yeah. The f- and and you internalize that and you're not aware that's that real. that's what you're doing. My last thing on this, I think that a lot of people also have like parents, uh, air quote with friends, um, uh, in their head, like that negative voice telling you that you can't isn't your voice. It's someone else's. Someone right. else is telling you you can't. I, I, was, I was okay. Story time. I was making candles. Um, I, I had candle uh products for like two years we ain't gonna talk about it um and and i tried to make a i tried to make a brown candle for representation um and it didn't turn brown and i was like i probably can't do this that wasn't me i don't talk to me that way that was someone else (laughs) in my head telling me i can't and the difference this time is that i listened and i waited two years to go back and revisit my candle stuff Mm. and and unacceptable i I know that now but um but i think a lot of people have other people in their head telling them what they cannot do and i think that once you get over someone else's voice in your head living rent free yep life changes yo uh yo great granddaddy used to say that shit all the time (laughs) don't let nobody uh be in your head rent free bless bless get them out of there get them out yeah he's still angry that all the time Avery used to tell me that shit. (laughs) (laughs) for real shit that's that's on us for real that's deep that's deep i just got chill i just got chill (laughs) but real quick man let's um I don't care how long we take on it, but 
in the context of it all, man, when we say black mental health, man, what are we even talking about? Everything. Um, like, in in the emphasis on the black man, because we we're at a point mm-hmm. right now, man, where um, ain't no word for it. Like we're just we're I, I'm I'm distraught to where the fuck we're at still. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like we're moving backwards in a way. It, but there's a lot of people pulling the other direction as well. You know what I'm saying? I get that. But I'm saying the mass majority and the younger generation, I feel like, man, if we don't grasp them like we need to, yeah. shit going to erupt. There is, like, and um, th- it is very concerning. Um, there is a an understanding um, in, in, like, mental health that, like, by the time a child is, roughly four or five, they have already developed a pattern of how they see themselves and the world. So like a lot of times, if people are willing and want to do that type of work, you are going back that far in therapy, like to get it out of them um, and install something else. It is very concerning the current state of children we should be especially when it comes to like black men we should be asking not this kid is bad or that kid how are you making killers how are you creating killers there is a lot of research I think uh, John Head is like um, these kids get hit from all angles yes what there's so like typically and this is me kind of like taking like clinical knowledge and my own personal beliefs so I want to separate that and make that disclaimer how there is a lot of research about like suicide and typically when we think about suicide we're thinking about like black people don't do that right if you go with like a group of kids or you know non-black people maybe white people you might say like oh my uncle committed suicide this person in my family committed suicide this person in my family committed suicide what does that look like for the black experience right my homie was shot this homie was shot this homie and John Head uh, is like a black author. I want to say that he's a uh, he's in the field of psychology, um, but he kind of correlates like his research is like correlating a lot of black mental health and suicide with like gun violence. I have no respect or concern for your life because I have no concern for my own. So violence amongst black men subconsciously is a matter of I want to die (laughs) how do I get out of this because it's stigmatized in our you know I can't leave my mom and them or I can't leave these people in my family thinking that I committed suicide and that's a bad look for the family so how do I do it with dignity well it's nothing if the police kill me it's nothing if this other person kills me and that's a way out like how can you not care about you know, and these are kids with, with sometimes they have their own kids. And, like, how is going to get somebody back or sliding on somebody more important than the kids that you have at home? 
And I think that the roughness that we that that we as black people as a whole, adult or or children, um, really are hardened to our experiences, and that is not how we're designed to be as human beings. So you really have like antisocial, psychot like sociopathic pathology in our, like a lot of it in our community and even when it's not that somebody just trying to fit in somebody trying to just trying to get love or get acceptance when they don't have it you know that is those are very heavy things and uh, and black men need a lot of of love and and I think we miss that because this is not what this is not what a man should be you know no, not do you want somebody to beat your ass or I felt that <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and I don't mean to say it in a harsh way, like, but, I felt and there's a reason behind, which is why people need therapy. There is a reason why, like, they'll say like good girls, like bad boys, right? Mm-hmm. Love in your, what you're saying subconsciously love from where you come from looks like being mistreated. Mm. If someone is too nice to me, I'm scared. What, like, that's too nice. And I'm suspicious of what that is, so I'm going to stay away from it. Yeah, so I can figure it out. Right? Yep. All the way right, though. If somebody is me, okay, I know what to expect. They, like, this is what love looks like. We go through shit, you know. Riding or dying looks like what love is, even though it's painful even though it it hurts so we have to really toxic as shit it is yeah. toxic but like but it, it doesn't start with that toxic relationship it starts with the toxic yes household. like when you talk about like what is black mental health i was raised by somebody who was raised by somebody who was raised by somebody else that was enslaved yep. so when you say abraham lincoln freed the slaves they didn't care about oh we probably should have did that and they Ooh. really all the mental health issues that they had at that time went into how they raised their children. That is how they raised their, they don't know any other way. And you can take, let's, let's pretend that we say, (laughs) (laughs) flicking y'all ass up right now. (laughs) Put a flame to (laughs) Let's say that we have the people that came over on the boat, right? Those are our ancestors. They knew who they were. They were adults. They had a healthy sense of self-identity and knew who they were. They come over, get brought over. Let me correct my statement. They get brought over. They do not matter in the grand scheme of where we are today. Once they start producing babies, you have full-blown human beings that have no context of who they are, no context of what love is, and are ripped apart. Though we are the result of those people. Yep. And there you can kill the adults that once they start producing children, the the slave master has a chance to bring everyone up how they want them to be. And you still do have a, a slave mentality in church. You know, we will say, you know, generational curses. Do you know what a generational curse is? You know, even our pastors and preachers can only get us so far. 
and we look to them for everything or I would say like maybe historically a yeah. little less now um, but but they have the same trauma you know so they can only be of service to a certain point because they have the same type of of trauma you know and and we have to figure out like where we are today and really like learn how to love each other learn how to love ourselves first and then we can transfer that if you don't love yourself you don't you can't love anyone else you know but you know like like we're in like we're in 2022 and people still eat chitlins yeah. How are we not affected by slavery? So y'all just Bless. y'all just before we started, y'all I know it was bad for y'all to see, man. I ate that McDonald's in front of y'all. Like oh, that. I mean it But like <laughs> t- but like there's I was working all day. I'm sorry. No, but, like <laughs> what I'm saying is I sh- we should know better than this by now. Like you're, you're all the way right. The food is addictive. There is like there's a lot yeah. of psychology yeah. around it it's practically a drug. But for the chitlins though. Uh, for the chitlins, so I always use like the chitlin is like story. If I if it's Thanksgiving, and I go to my aunt house, the likelihood of there being chitlins there is very high. And I and chitlins are a direct derivative of safe slavery. They got, gave them the slap, and they made chitlins out of it, and they loved it. It was delicious um, to them. <laughs> um, but uh, I always say like if if the chitlins are still here, they they're disgusting. Um, but they they, they smell terrible. Um, but they are physically here they're at thanksgiving so is every a lot of the things that we were taught during slavery all the intangible lessons that they learned during that time that they instilled in their children are yeah. still here that that trauma yeah. Yeah. is here is here yeah. just like yeah. the chitlins yeah. so i we have a lot to work through and i think that people think it's so it's far gone now. but yes. they're intangible things they're things that we can't that we can't put our hands on right so like even when we say like at one point you developed a coping skill right one of the big things that came with that um is like not talking about our problems that came from slavery that came with what happens in this house stays in this house that's how our language says that Tell them why though. you know because if you talk about it if you talk about it your life is in jeopardy if my kid is a baby running around and they talk about, you know, Harriet Tubman coming to coming to scoop somebody up, you know, in the heat of the night. They hanging from a tree. They hanging from a tree. So you have to say, hey, what happens in this house that we don't talk about what goes on? Because the greater society does not allow black people to that. It is a, a matter of life and death. Those practices, though, are no longer working with us, and that's how we know that our mental health is impaired. That is how we know that I have something that was adaptive. I needed that to survive my environment back then. Why am I still using that and I'm no longer in that situation? That's when it becomes a problem. And you can, I think, like, for the black community, and for all, because it's, it's basic psychology, but I, you just relate it to your culture. You know, um, you really can pay attention to language to see what's going on with mental health, to see what is in the subconscious mind that we are not expressing. Black mental health look like that girl fast. Well, who sped up? What sped up? Right. You know, black mental health is like Mother Jones get up on Sunday and say, I want to thank God for keeping me in my right mind. When I was a kid, I used to be like, why the fuck? Like, what? Why would God not put you in your right mind? Right. Like she's talking about like dealing with someone in her life with dementia. 
You know, like, th- th- it's a real thing. But how, you know, when black people say they got the blues, they got the blues. It's a whole genre about being down, about depression. Turn that shit in the country. Huh? <laughs> so they turn that shit in the country. <laughs> but, you know, like, you can look to, to language for for what's going on in our experiences. And I think a lot of times, like, we acknowledge the trauma through our language and we don't get curious. We leave kids, we leave people to fend for themselves on, you know, on those things. I know, like, a lot of the, I've, being curious about things I shouldn't be curious about as a kid, you know, like, the the number one reason it's not for everything but like the statistics are in like the 90th percentile that uh that teen pregnancy is heavily associated with childhood molestation and when you look at black girls or things that they're going through when you look at the church we literally in some churches make those girls get up and apologize to the entire congregation that they're pregnant. Stop doing that. You know, like those are some of the, we acknowledge the trauma, but we don't get curious and say what we deem this person is bad. Oh, she fast. These kids grown. They this or they that, you know. Meanwhile, it's unacceptable. the right in the crowd. Get out of here. You know, chilling, chilling. Mm. it's unacceptable. Chilling. It's unacceptable. Uh, sometimes leave the congregation. Bless. <laughs> Bless. <laughs> It's it's unacceptable. Really? We acknowledge it, you know, and we say things like that boy got some sugar in his tank. There's nothing sweet about that. Like you're acknowledging the trauma. And and if that person heard you, what are you adding to them? Instead yeah, of being be, people be so immature, man. Instead of being adults, me, adults talking to children. Me. Yeah. And you're talking about a child. Adding to the trauma. Yep. Oh, he a little slow. That's exactly how it goes. You know, we acknowledge it. We say, get curious. How do you support somebody? How do you help somebody? You ain't got to be all up in their business. Just being kind is enough. A hug, a dap. You see them, you know, doing good. Good to see you, man. That might have been all that that kid got. I, I grew up like that. Like, you, there were no hugs. There were no, there was nothing. Right. And... So if you were a stranger and you hugged me, you probably hugged me more times than my parents. Like, that's real life. And I, I hear, like, celebrities, like, in certain interviews say, like, I didn't grow up in a loving family or this or that. How are you saying that with that much calm and the damage that it does to you? Like, you yeah. need that. <laughs> like, it's important. <laughs> yeah, you do. You, you, do. You, you need that. You do. So, like, just extra care, you know, to sometimes we don't acknowledge our own trauma and that's why mm-hmm. we can't acknowledge or support somebody else. So also knowing that it's not it's not always that somebody is not supporting you, but they haven't dealt with their own stuff. They don't that's know how. People, they don't have the tools. People nowadays associate therapy with being crazy. Not. Like, no, you just need to really just get that shit off your chest and you can figure out what the fuck is going mm-hmm. on with you. Mm-hmm. And, and like, it's talking about it, but there are the science behind like it's right. more than talk yeah, it's bigger yeah. the therapist doesn't give you all of that like maybe maybe not like we do like psychoeducation so as you're bringing things up we will tell you or explain what's going on 
in therapy you can have you can do your therapist can help you do a genogram which is basically like a clinical family tree and you can put everything on that thing you know who had uh learning disabilities who had a miscarriage who had this type of trauma what type of marriages how many divorces you can put everything and map that out and see how those patterns interconnect with where you are today you I'll know be, i'll be the first one to say i need therapy it's all, it's all the truth i know it's more like, than it's, it's, it's more than it's more than than talk it's scientific this is how human psychology works and this is what happens when people experience trauma this is what happens when that trauma gets invalidated this is how your brain invalidating trauma can we talk about that because I, I think that that's what's happening for most people um, and they don't they don't have the language to say like their trauma was invalidated but when you're talking to a bunch of people um, about your issues like let's say it's family and friends and they're invalidating your trauma you you got to start to feel crazy. Yeah. Like you feel like something like, like you are. Um, so to go to someone who has tools in their tool belt to yeah. better assist you than everyone who is toolless yeah. around you, mm -hmm. like it's a, it's a way better option. Yeah. People rather live in denial. Though. They, Not but, rather. But they don't have the tools. They don't they, have the they tools. Don't they don't know. They don't even know they're in a twilight zone. Like they you, have no idea. You, they're happy there. Therapy is like. Sometimes it be a choice, though. Not Sometimes it is. Sometimes it be a choice. <laughs> it can be a choice, but I think, like, giving people a little bit more grace on that, like, some people's, like, mental health and tra trauma experiences cause them to be incapable and unwilling. Like, people will say, oh, my pride or my ego won't let me or they too pride for or they too this or that. Like, it is an implication of a mental health problem. As soon as you say it, it can go in a category of, of diagnosis. Like that's how quick a, a therapist can pick up on it. You know, just like the language tells you what's going on because we are reflecting what's in the subconscious outward. When you talk to somebody with the tools. But you, you have to talk to someone with the tools. You can go to Starbucks and kick it with your homies, right? Right. They're going to trigger you and you, it's going to be not a good discussion. Or you can go and talk to your mama, auntie, sister, cousin, them, if you want to. And Trigger. if they don't trigger you, they're going to yeah. tell you. Invalidate your shit. Invalidating is triggering. Yeah. If they're not, they're going to tell you what you want to hear and you get no growth. Mm. Okay? So therapy is a balance of, of that. Sometimes I don't need to trigger you in therapy. Because the content of what we're talking about, I know it's triggering you. Sometimes my trigger is a challenge. And, and there is ways that I can adjust or know how much it's bothering you or not. Mm. There are certain questions. People are not trained in that line of questioning. And typically it takes a lot of work for people to, to become curious instead of judging. They're going to attribute how they're experiencing you to what, like, projecting every, all their stuff on. What are you learning? My job as a therapist is to make sure I get Keisha together and be, this shit is about you. And whatever I have going on, it needs to be checked. You really, as a therapist, like, when you get deep into therapy, subject your yourself to everything that someone else experiences. It is a very vulnerable 
and your shit come up. So like, if you a therapist, you should be in therapy and like working on how to manage your stuff so you know what it looks like. And then you can be in that space with a person because that's where the repair happens. And people will not allow you. They're going to trigger you when you're, your body and your brain is designed to be in service for you. It's most concerned with your survival. So when I say my ego won't allow me or I'm too prideful, my, it's, I'm, my body and my brain is doing its job. No matter who I'm in relation to. If I'm in relation to my child, if I'm in relation to my husband, if I'm in relation to my dad, my brother, myself is designed to protect me at all costs. Mm. Mm. I, feel, I felt that one down too. You dropped the ball. Ooh, you dropped the ball. like, you know, and it's not anything bad. Like, we're human, right? Therapy allows you that ca- yeah. capacity where you're going to get to a place if you want to so that you can be in a position to heal it up. And it is possible to heal it up. Straight, though. It really is. It, it, it is. It's more than talk. What drives you on, man? I feel like it's... I think, like driving is like finding my purpose you know and being effective there's no way that I should have gone through the things that I gone I have gone through in my life and before I die somebody has to be impacted in a changeful way so that we don't repeat this thing and I'm not afraid of death but it would be an abomination for me to leave this earth and not have impacted. I was that little black girl, like you know, serve, like serve that that no one, you know, who's going to do it for you? And we get, you know, uncomfortable with with mental health or people in service. When you have people that look like you, you have a resource in the community. What are you going to do with it? Don't hate on somebody. Why does seeing people successful successful that look like you put you put you in your feelings? Hurt, hurt your soul. Why why it put you in your feelings? Like you that's a serious problem. Because you cannot expect the greater society to care for you like you should care for your own. You know, like you need to care for yourself. It's not, oh, her her kids over there or this person over here. Y'all, we in the same community. A lot of times, and it depends on, I guess it depends on what type of person you are and what your trauma is, if you need a black therapist or not, and you're black. But there is a reason why, a valid reason why, if you're black, you could you could possibly not be comfortable with another black person. If the people in your life that you relied on are black and they hurt you, you may not be comfortable around people that look like you, and you might need to find someone that's white, that's of another race, that is okay to to provide services for. You need to make sure they're culturally competent so they can help you out with these things. But like, but like sometimes we like out people, like 
you know, you're not black enough, you're not this enough, you're not. There is a reason why, and like, it's important that we don't eva- invalidate people's experiences. We're not giving them the meaning that we want them Straight. to have. But use the resources that you have because there is also a caveat to that. And like, when you start talking about black issues, I think specifically for like teachers, history teachers, especially, and people in like mental health. Black history specifically in the black experience as a can put a non-black person, especially if you white, their ego can be very much triggered by those experiences. I was the kid in school that learned history and was like, you know, read the passage out loud about like slavery and like scream, why would y'all do this to us? And like, the, you, you know, <laughs> You know, the, te- the, the, the teacher's like, Keisha, it's okay. You no, know, it's not, you it's know? Not okay. And I was distraught. Like, that was very traumatic, like, learning that for me. But she is also not able to hold space for me based on her experiences as well. So you have to make sure, like, people are culturally competent is very important. And I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but. Oh, no. It'd be like that. It's important to to make sure that you're honest with yourself about your experiences and like ain't no need to have no shame or you don't got to tell nobody but like when you go in there and talk to that person like hey these are my concerns you know cultural differences or you know I have a problem with this don't be afraid to say that like advocate for yourself what drives you see um spicy content here um but um i'm from the uh i'm from the uh i subscribe to the idea that we're all guys i know it's a it's a controversial subject um but i think that um i think that as a god uh what what we do is create um i think that's uh the the, the point of it all um be it another life be it something um so i think that my drive is just to sort of uh open the floodgates for creation um as a god uh holding up a mirror to other gods so they can hey. see themselves hey 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 a gem a gem gem <laughs> what uh all right so ladies once again man so this is this is my second second ladies interview in a row like it hey um <laughs> so being a black woman both of you um What's some what's some hurdles you guys face, man? Being black entrepreneurs. Um, for me, I think that photography specifically is a very male dominated field. Um, try to say this gently. Uh, um, I, I, and I think that uh, there's no sugar coated here at Trent. <laughs> I, I, I keep on trying to find the words. <laughs> um, um, and I think that uh, in a creative space. Uh, I generally feel more comfortable working with women because women aren't trying to sleep with me. Um, <laughs> um, and, and I think that, uh, like that I think that there's an automatic discredit um, as a woman, especially uh, I, I tend to be a little bit more soft spoken um, because I'm not going to talk about it, I'm going to be about it. Um, but <laughs> but um, I, I think that if, if we're in discussion, I'm not going to necessarily like trample over someone. But when I'm in action, oh, it's going to go my way. Um, so so I think that those are uh, definitely hurdles. And people just not taking you as seriously um, until, they, in, in, until they see you <laughs> doing it. Um, I, I think that those have been really. 
And like some things are just like a boys club. And I don't, I can't pretend to, like I can come as my authentic self. Hey y'all. Um, but, (laughs) um, but, but I I can't pretend to be something that I'm not. Um, so I, I find myself working independently a lot and, um, not in a lot of the same, uh, spaces as my counterparts, uh, which is is low-key a blessing, but you know. What was the question again? As a black woman, what's uh, some hair, what's some hair to, hair to, I think um, fences. I feel like people expect you not to be great, Jeez. and then, and then, <clears throat> when you are great, people can be intimidated by it. Like even if you have the like best of intentions and are not seeing things that way, like people get in a feelings about like, you know, and feel threatened and it's really Please raise your hand for <laughs> That's what I do. You know, like you don't you don't want it to be that way. Like you want it to you want to be able to pull and and share and grow and develop and recognizing that that's not what what's happening and so you really have to i think that's why it's very important to have resources of for people that look like you it's not always about somebody holding space for you like at the like we talk about like at the end of the day like who who do you, who can you talk to after you cut somebody here like who there for for isaiah you know like you didn't took on the whole somebody else's whole day and like people can't be there for you in that way a lot of times because they they don't have similar experience but also i think like sometimes just your presence can be overwhelming for for people and if you are like i tend to be very vocal about like the black experience and understanding things um the way that my mind works is is very different like i said i have like learning disabilities it is a different type of intelligence more than it is a learning disability um there are deficits but i spasm shit like what would you say (laughs) that that i spasm would you say that you find um uh it more uh hurdles being a woman or more hurdles being black being black being black for me as well yeah, the resource just because of the being resource. black and wanting black representation and creating black representation, I think um, causes more hurdles than being a woman ever could for yeah. me. Yeah, I feel like it's always when you want to take that extra step. Yeah, you know, you, and you, be black. Yeah, <laughs> I have found like no, nah, because I mean, <clears throat> not that, but like I feel like people just want you at a certain level. Yeah, right. But when you try to take that extra step. That's when everybody starts to fucking flip up. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Like, yeah. this is where the fuck we want you. Stay in your place. Yeah, we want you right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't, I can't feel that shit at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hate that. Too yeah. Big. And like people, you know, you see where like how upper hands can be given out mm-hmm. and not having the resources or, you know, having to double back around and, and find resources yourself for certain things just for growth. And I, I think uh, like even, I, I think it's important to point out 
aesthetically uh yeah uh yes how we it's this podcast you can't see us but um like we both <laughs> like we both have locks i often wear my locks not retwisted yeah and a lot of my um actions are intentional because when i'm taking up a space it's not just important that right. people know a black person can fill this space but a black person with nappy hair and locks yeah. can fill this space yeah. a black person <laughs> Like yeah. me can feel the, a black person like you is what's more important. Yes, yeah. can fill this space. So yeah. I think that all those things uh, are really a part of my um, yes. my mantra. Like even my website is set up with black people all over, and I've had a lot of uh, critiques saying you don't think that you should um, integrate uh, more diversity. I know you see my sprinkle now. Now I know I know you see my sprinkle out and put in here, and I'd be happy with it. Um, but like I do it intentionally because when I go to other people's websites and it's a bunch of white people with a sprinkle of black people, then that's acceptable. Yeah. We're, we're, going, we're going to, I, we're beautiful. And, and you're yep. going to get it one way or another. Yep. Um, and and I, I can't uh, bend on that. That's not something I'm ever willing to uh, fold on. So I think that being black um, in this space is uh, yeah. a little bit more of a, a steeper hill. Yeah, I, w- I would uh, agree. And I, I like it just reminds me of like identity development again. Like people, I think like gener- in general don't know what goes into identity development and, and how who you are and what you see you can be impacts the de- like the development even um, and I'm sharing like I know your daughter is like biracial. Mm hmm. It's a thing for biracial people and kids. Like, they have to see themselves. Mom and daddy can't do it. We have to put biracial people around them so they know, like, this is me. Because a lot of times they can have it much harder than white or black. Because you go to the black side and they say you're not black enough. Mm -hmm. You go to the white side and they say you're not black. You're not white. You're black. And so then, like, these kids are lost. And then, like, parents can have a very a very naive understanding of their experience as a biracial person. Like, they need they need their own representation, and it it does not look like I think like society moves them in. You know, you black because you know but they have those experiences but that comes with its own setup yes like obstacles they should have access to both sides because that's who they are right and like to be by default considered by the world one way over the other is not a part of healthy development and we need to recognize that as part of 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 growth and development for for kids like it it matters that much to just be your regular self however it is if your hair nappy, your hair curly, if you look like you didn't got to put a makeup on, you got to do nothing. What what feels good to you and you are enough. Okay. okay. Um, how do you guys balance life with running a business? Um, it, it, this is it. This is this is actually like really tough for me. Um, I recently uh left a job. Um, and went back to my old job for part time. Um, but it's it's been a uh, a really big uh, struggle. Um, especially, I'll double back. When I was working full time and I was moving up in like the companies that I was at, um, running a business 
and having a air quotes life, if you want to call it that, was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Wouldn't I recommend Very Ghetto? Um, <laughs> zero out of ten stars. <laughs> um, but it, it was definitely like one of the most difficult things that I uh, ever uh, had to do. Um, and I was often picking my full-time job over a life um, because the business wasn't going to stop. So it was a full-time job and another job after that job. <laughs> um, and, it, and it was just uh, too much. So uh, I'm in a space now where I only work part-time and I do business ventures uh, um, with the rest of my time. And it's a lot uh, better of a balance. And um, But it's scary. Yeah. Woo, child. <laughs> This yeah. is this is a scary life, yeah. In what way? Um, uh, security, security. Yeah. Uh, I just gave up my health insurance. Um, that mm. was paid for by the company that was somewhat covered. Um, it had good dental. They was uh recently uh changing it to life insurance included too. Bless my heart. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jesus. um, e- even the hours though, like working a standard uh eight to five. Even if I don't uh book anything else, like I I know what time I'm gonna be. Like you know, you have you have that stability and you have that security. Um, but you don't have any freedom. I didn't have any freedom. I needed. I'm freer than that. You don't have. No one else has to be. But I'm freer than that. Yeah. Um. So so uh, just balancing that trade off for me about. has been um a, a a change. But again, I think I did a lot of work building up confidence in myself and building up confidence in taking on new ventures. And because of that, I feel a lot less worried than probably I should be. Um. But it's gonna work out. <laughs> I don't particularly have a business, but I do have business goal, of course. Like, well, you in a business? But how do you? How do you? Who do you? Who the fuck do you talk to? I t- I talk to my sister a lot. <laughs> um, hey y'all. Um, I think like there like has to be like a cutoff point of like work and this, but like also making sure I'm I'm work I'm legitimately doing the work on myself yeah. so that I can be of service to somebody of, else yeah, of all people you going you need somebody to talk to too yeah it'll, it'll be unbalanced and um really kind of like more recently like working on getting my health together and um and really exploring like creative ideas have have been you know um high priority you know on my list and and doing develop but i know there there sometimes can be a blend of what is self and what is development for my career um but i think really taking on unquantifiable projects i guess you know gonna yeah, um work, working on things that don't um one of the things that i did was always work on things that did not um necessarily have money relying on it it was just like passion projects like taking and it's more work i recognize that it's more work but it's from the heart work you know and no one is depending on it if it flops it flops it's it's, it's just me being me again just just <laughs> failing failing forward <laughs> um but but they when they work out they work out um, um one of my uh biggest passion projects was black man smile and i'm an ambassador for black man smile now and I have a great relationship with those guys. They send me free merch, and I give the merch out when I do an event. And it. and it turned out into a really good confidence boosting event for me. And it was just a passion project. So, I got a very important question for you. Very important question. Does family and she said, "Okay, does family and business mix?" Um, 
I have a very interesting story with family and business. Um, I think that one of the biggest things that I've learned about family and business is that your family is not your market. And I think a lot of people really complain about their family, like not supporting them. We're going to put air quotes around support because support looks different for everyone. But your family is not your market. And I've booked weddings, expensive weddings, um, from people who never met me. They went to my website. They heard something about me. And they booked on the spot, right? I didn't have to convince them. I didn't have to, like, plead my case. They came with the deposit to the um, consult. Like, that's how it worked. And that means, unfortunately, that means so much more to me than a family member booking with me because they're a family member. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah. so I, totally. I think that people just have to really take a step back and number one, assess if your family knows how knows what support looks like. A lot of us come from families that unfortunately do not. Um, their, their parents didn't support them and so forth and so on. And it goes back and back and back and back and back. So not only does your family not have the skill set to support you, but they also don't really like what you're doing. No. Like they, they, they genuinely don't care not into or, it. Or, or they genuinely yeah. can't afford it. Um, and if you base how well you're going to do on those people who are not your market, huh, people who can't afford your service are not your market, sis. Um, um, so if you base everything on that, then then you're never going to feel like you're doing good. So really get out of your market um, and and focus, <laughs> find your market and focus on those people instead of relying so heavily on your family. But I will tell my family story. Um, I remember uh, when I was first starting out, we're going to put air quotes around starting out because I've been fly. Um, but tons of air quotes today. <laughs> um, I, I, re- I remember uh, my family members going to other people like like Ooh. paying money, <laughs> like like not not like somebody for the free, Ooh. but like paying like money, um, m- money um, to other people. And I remember uh, one of my cousins after someone did it. Um, came to me and she was like, I don't really like my pictures. Can you redo them? Yeah, you could. How dare you show up to the shoot? <laughs> if it wasn't me. Um, but 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 in retrospect, I, I, I look back at that scenario and I and I say, uh, uh, number one, did they have the skill set to support me? Like, did they really have the skill set? And then number two, a lot of people are looking for. I mean this with love, but a lot of people are looking for like clout. They're not looking for like talent, and that's and not offensively to anyone because you can you can spend your money wherever you want. Um, but a lot of people are looking for who has like the the biggest whatever, and um and that's never going to be me. Um and and not like because it can't be because it could, but um, <laughs> like if I wanted to do it, it would be. But um but like I I feel like for me I work with passion and integrity, and that's that's what you're going to get every time. And if that's not what you're looking for, if you're looking for a, a hot pocket, and I'm giving you filet mignon, oh, oh, you gonna you gonna eat quicker? Yeah, your food gonna be done that's faster. Your your food will surely be done faster, but it's not the experience that you get with filet mignon, and and that's okay. Everyone likes different things, um, and I, I think that when you're working with family, it's important to to bear that in mind that some people want hot pockets and you don't have to be a hot pocket because someone wants you to be. It's most definitely a a difference between a Jax and a Roma. Indeed. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) I'm just playing. It is. 
Dollar Tree going up 25 cents. <laughs> I said, dang. <laughs> what is what is this? <laughs> is he for real, man? Hilarious. You know it's a quarter, right? Yeah, it's just a quarter. Right? <laughs> you get you get that up to all these every time you go in there. Because right? I love Dollar Tree, and I say, I'm going to stick beside him. I'm going to stick beside him. I'm going to stick beside him. Okay. All right. So I don't know if we did talk about it, but I do want to reiterate it if we did. But um, like I feel like, yeah, we can always sit back, laugh, talk, fuck our shit, things like that, man. But tomorrow we still gotta wake up, and if we granted that day, even if, but we still gotta make shit happen. Um, but what is the plan, man, moving forward? For you know, what I'm saying, how can we, how can we really reach the next generation? How can we better ourselves? the way moving forward what are things that we need to do because now we the OG indeed quit I think crazy (laughs) crazy. I think um, always reaching back to in the day to day you know um, Sometimes I'm like saddened when people leave Freeport. I I recognize like why, but always kind of like when you grow up, people say, you know, you need to go ahead and go to college or go to school so you can get on up out of here or move or leave. And I think that is the wrong sort of encouragement to give young people. Why is that though? Because you're going to move somewhere else and invest in a different community. So if you are great or working on or accomplished anything, you're going to invest where you are. And like the important thing is how do we make where we are a great place is how I kind of am hearing your conver- your question. Is that No, you you're totally right though. So like it is coming back. It is, you know, developing young people. Um, it is making sure that they see you. If you do move away, how can you continue to influence the people in your life and and stay in touch? I also think that a particular type of networking that is not being done needs to be done. Um, and I hope nobody gets upset. Um, specifically in the community of Freeport, there can be a lot of Oh, people need to get upset because shit need to change. Fair enough. <laughs> there can be a lot of community organizing that goes on through church. And I think that people... <laughs> I think that people don't understand that... That sometimes that can be a deterrent in reaching the crowd or the audience that you have intended to reach. Um preaching to the choir because yeah you're essentially preaching to the choir and they ain't even listening bless (laughs) bless um fair enough that's a that is a good point um and so i think like really getting our generation to collaborate and to um meet i see great people in the community of freeport i see great people in the community of freeport that have left freeport Philanese. Philanese, um, Travis, uh, Lashari, Carol, um, uh, Izzy, oh, Izzy, you know, Treasure, you know, these are legitimate gems, and you need all of them to have a presence, in my opinion, in 
Freeport so that the young people can see them. How do you get networking collaboration? You, it's, it is unrealistic to expect the greater community to develop programs for your children or to educate on things that you want that your children to be educated on and you are not putting in the work. It's okay if you do not know how. Figure out who know how. Who done did it? Yeah. Where they at? Go find them. Ask them to come and see. Can they send you a spreadsheet? Do they got everything changed? <laughs> Where they at? Do 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 they got twenty dollars on it? You know, you don't like. I think like sometimes like we get um, also very judgmental and overburdened by fundraising when how you raise money is fundraising. We so get, we get overwhelmed doing for our people fast. Yes, yeah. and like we don't have the patience. Like I can't tell you how many times FHN is soliciting <laughs> for money, <laughs> you know. And I and I'm literally like y'all wow it, <laughs> like you know. But that's how you do it. So if you want to invest in yourself, if you want to, and, and like don't consider it investing in yourself. Consider it investing in your children. What happens if you become old and you have not invested in your children enough for them to take care of you? Right. You got a problem. You gonna be in the nursing home or you gonna be alone, both or both, both. both. or both. 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 You know, like there is a, there is a, there can be an emotional capacity to not deal with parents that have abused you or mistreated you or weren't there for you in in a particular way in their old age. In the way that you needed them to be. There. In the way that you needed to be, and then there's also a day-to-day practice of I work a regular job as the, as your child and you're aging and I have my own family and my own life and I'm unable to assist you in your, like we really, if you want to invest in your children, if you want to invest in yourself, it starts right now. What are you going to do? Your money got to come up off of it. Your time has to come off of it. If you have no money, how are you volunteering? Pretty, Why, pretty how sure. are we not mentoring? Man. What are we doing? Yeah. You know, we should really be utilizing the center better. The the boys and girls club should be utilized better. They can only keep those kids for a certain amount of time. I think I heard Yancey say that um, one time, and I, I definitely, like, understand his perspective on that. And, and like, you can only do so much. Yeah, the sure. center doesn't cost that much. You can build a lot of programs within the center. Ryan Shirley is a, a great person within the community um in my opinion and the people that's that's leaving that's in these administrative positions these people gotta want to do that you know what i'm saying like we can we can sit here and and say all this things like that we can give them a plan but they gotta want to ex they gotta want to execute that we have to want to execute it like if we if we like you said the parents of the children i feel like it's not optional you cannot want to all the time you better get to work you know, like there becomes a a a time, like you said earlier, like we are the old heads. How do we collaborate and get together? You know, there was like a black party at the center, like during the Black Lives Matter protest. Like it seems like we gather together when we're like against the greater society or against white people or in protest. Get together for yourself, regardless of what anyone else does. 
You are responsible for you. And that does not just go with you in the, your household. That starts with you in your household. And, but it goes for your community as well. You cannot expect people to do for you what you will not do for yourself. I think nonprofits are a really good key to all this. One of my goals for uh, 2022 um, is to start my nonprofit. Um, but getting access to a lot of the uh, dollars that are sitting out there yes. that are, get allocated to uh, nonprofits, you, you have to be a nonprofit to get it. <laughs> um, um, but, but the money has to go somewhere regardless. So with a lot of the funding that happens, having a nonprofit can um, give you access to a lot more than you would have without it. So y'all, so with that, I'm doing a, a NFT stock Bitcoin mm-hmm. e- episode here soon. So I want us blacks to really tune into that because mm-hmm. they bought, they're in the midst of switching shit up on us. Little Indeed. do we know. Indeed. You know what I'm saying? We gotta, we gotta make sure. You can't know too much. No, nah, can't. <laughs> We can't, but at the same time, we got to know enough to where we got to catch on to where the, mm-hmm. the generation before us didn't catch on. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And that, that locked them out in a way. Mm-hmm. So, and, go ahead. And this is how, like, when we don't do that, yeah. we, the, we're not failing ourselves in the sense of, like, us day to day. You are failing the next generation. Make yeah. no mistake about yeah, it. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Completely. And, and it, it's, it's that shit old. It's it's unacceptable. I'm ready to change shit. I mean, this is why I'm always on the shit that I'm on, you know. And I'm sure that's why that's why other people do do what they do. When you see someone respect their craft, get curious about what they do. Ask them. Now you got a resource in your pocket. You know somebody. Maybe you don't need their service, but hey, my cousin do this. Hey, you know, I know somebody. I got somebody. You need, you know, financial management or, you know, you need to learn how, about investment. I got a cousin. Because you are going to pay for the service no matter where you go. I would personally like to see, especially for black men in Freeport, I'm just going to put this in the air, um, for whoever want to latch on. <laughs> um, put it out there. I would personally like to see a um, apprenticeship of some sort of program get set up here for young black men to learn trades and you literally can learn to buy houses and invest and fix them up and then you can start your own company and there's no reason why you can't hit up Isaiah for electric and then you know the homie John got it on the uh, on the plumbing or on on the uh, landscaping Train electrician, I'll spark your shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like we're not investing in skills. You don't have to like teach a kid. Like you don't have to go to college, especially today. You do not. You can do whatever you want to. But what are we investing in? Why are we not investing in their interests? Why are we not sh- making sure that they have experiences instead of buying Jordans and this and that and brands yeah. and Preach. all that? You buy experiences. We going here to see if you like it. It's an experience. Invest in yourself. Them Jordans, that car that you. That car. Man, whatever you trying to flex with, man, I'm trying to tell you right now. It's an investment, man. Invest in something that's going to have some value to it. How do I know what I can be if I haven't seen anything? Right. So, like, investing in experiences and making sure 
mentoring and making sure those things happen. <laughs> it takes one one of the old heads, you know, to teach somebody mechanic or auto body or something like that and to create a business. I worked as a clinical photographer for um, a plastic surgery facility. And I think that in the photography space, never mind me being black or never mind me being a woman, but in the photography space in general, I don't think that people see that as an option. Like a lot of, even like patients came in and they said, this, this is your job? Yes, ma'am. Disrobe. Um, but but um, I don't think that uh, we talk about how practical some of the creative arts actually are and how you can act, take it into a hospital. Like I was in a medical facility work I had on scrubs. Why? Um but, with, a but, camera. <laughs> with, a, with a camera. Um but I don't think that we view those as valid um options. I was making decent money. I had nice coverage, like all the things that you essentially want I had and it's a possibility in a creative field. And it doesn't have to be uh that you work at like Google or somewhere like that. You can work locally in a medical facility doing that i think a lot of times two people want to be at the top quick and be like you got the whole staircase in front of you and you think you just gonna jump and fly to the top and you want to be there and present that as an image that you no no we're going to take steps kanye west doc uh the uh the docu trilogy on kanye west i think that it was so important that uh that you showed how much uh how they showed how much adversity he had when he was trying to rap and and not everyone wants to rap but i think that we can all apply it to our life is rockefeller life is saying <laughs> life is saying stay in that box we don't we want to see you do good keep making them beats but not that good yeah. um and I, I think that it was very important that we saw how how much he like elbowed people out of the way until he got where he wanted and it was not a put it in the oven and take it out type situation he had to work really hard and even after he was established he had to still work hard to get where he actually wanted to be and that is applicable to everyone and where they want to be it's not an overnight success scenario yeah and i would agree with um to piggyback off of like what you're saying like the kanye west documentary was like very inspirational and he would not have that resilience without that he had without the things that his mother instilled in him and it was very clear and you could see it right away you know I would recommend everybody look up attachment theory and what that is and figure out what your attachment style is you can have multiple attachment styles and one um, but figuring out attachment is the single most important thing and in my opinion in the human experience and it is how the relationships with your primary caregivers in childhood dictate how you present as an adult it is it is the most important thing of of development and you really see that with Kanye I think um at one point in the thing, like his mom like told a story that um, that he was like playing on the playground or something, and uh, she said he was like, "I don't need you. I don't like from a psychological perspective, like on attachment theory, that is what's supposed to happen, and that is healthy childhood development. If you have like a mother, um, for those of you listening, if you're a mother, let's pretend that you take your kid to the park, right?" And teeny bopper kids, you know, I'm talking three, four, five, two, maybe walking, you know, 
and the kids mosey on and go play with the other kids. Yeah. And then your kid come back and hang on your lap or on your leg and touch you. And then I've seen black mothers or mothers say, go on, you don't even want nothing. And they push the kid away. Yeah. What the child is doing through their development is you're putting me in a new environment to explore. I know that I need to explore it, but I also need to make sure that you're safe here. You are my base to come back to, and I physically need to touch you to make sure that I'm still safe. What that looks like in adulthood and add through development is we go through these different stages of life and your kid has a hardship. They know that they can call you. They know that they can rely on you and that you were a safe base. Older in life, as in adulthood, we live miles apart. I know that I can call my mother. I know I can call my father and ask them X, Y, and Z. If you do not have that connection of security with them, they will feel insecure throughout their life. And those are things that you, you tend to have to unravel in, in therapy, but it's about secure. And typically you see mothers, because you don't even want nothing, because you're not understanding where they are in development. It's a secure base. Yeah. They go off to college. Hey, mom, I'm having a, hey, I'm in a, you know, I'm really concerned, that encouragement. But also those words. If you see a child, like, hanging on, afraid to leave, that is a problem. We inconsistent, you know, crying for hours and hours. Kids typically cry a little bit, and then they adjust. That's healthy. It's a problem if, hey, this year, go meet her. Bye, mom. That's that's a problem. We're not secure, you know. It's a problem when, no, mom, don't leave me, 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 don't leave me. Don't leave me. Yeah. You know, though, like, there are signs of, like, where we should be at. The more secure you are the more your child says, no, I don't need it. That's healthy. Okay. Because they know where you are. Because you, you're you giving what they what they need. And it's it's consistent. So, you know, and a lot of times we, like, control, like, don't ask questions, don't question me because I said so. What does that look like when your child gets a job and is an adult and they are worthy of a raise or they're doing scared more work and they're scared it. to ask for a raise they don't know how to apply in the job market takes advantage of them because they don't think they're worth anything because you you have invested you don't question things and it's not don't question me that looks like don't question authority this person is over me i can't you know like it's a real issue and you're supposed to know your value like, okay, I'll be here for a little bit, but um, I'm working on my next move. I'll teach y'all. Give me no raise. Quit. You know? And that's that's okay, too. <clears throat> but you, you can't change anything by accepting the bare minimum and expecting, expecting a, a people to know. <laughs> like, you're just supposed to automatically know. We have to develop effective communication, develop a, like come to understand what it is to be human, come to understand what it means to to have an expectation, what it means to believe in yourself, yeah. a reverend of what anybody Down. else thinks of you or has of you, because once you instill it in a kid, they got it. And, and they go, they go, go on and run with it. Up. And that's their path. 
it rewards you on the other end. Like that was like in the Kanye documentary too. Like the guy, the narrator was kind of saying like the more that he was successful, the more he wanted his mom around. Secure base. I got you. You work hard for me. I see that. You ain't you ain't worried about shit. Like that's how it gets repaid. But if you don't see that in your kids or it's so hard up front, you know, you won't have it. But they will be a return on your investment. If you if you put in the work with them, kids is the gems of life. Okay, all right. Leads to a greater question. What's your guys' end goal? What's your legacy? I want to be a healing conduit to really. Um, to to talk about healing and mental health and becoming the best version of yourself as cliche as that may sound um i want to definitely educate and inspire um that i have dyslexia so um that is kind of like a, a legacy of mine and making sure that people that look like me and beyond but really people that look like me and it's so important to me because I was that kid and like left out to dry. And I, the way that I internalize it is like, I do not expect anyone that doesn't look like me to advocate for me in that way. Cause they don't know my experiences directly. The kindest of person and most well-meaning of a, of a different culture does not know your experience they're looking for and that's natural healthy human development they're not necessarily looking for you first they're looking for people so i know that it's my responsibility to be to be a light for other black people for other black girls you know my my parents were teenage parents and that that was a lot to deal with so I think that um, my end goal is really to be effective at helping people become who they want to be, you know, find their path and and be great to be uplifting to Freeport, to to my community, to my family. You know, I I think sometimes like for us, you know, for us, um, sometimes within our family like we're looked at as like better than other kids in the family and I think like people don't really like know like things that we've been through um but like also that we recognize our cousin's pain you know and even though it's not talk like I see you and I, I want better for you and I, I'm rooting for you too you know those those are the the things that matter and I think as many people as possible, but definitely to be an inspiration to my family because I, I did not have that. What about you, C? Um, for me, um, I think uh, as far as my legacy goes, um, I'd imagine it's all in the work. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't, in in some regard, I don't see it as like me. I just see it as the things that I've done and the um, art that I produced, I hope that 
speaks volumes. I hope that uh, is always a reflection of who I see myself as. And then separately, um, um, I also, I, I think that as a single black female, not addicted to retail. <laughs> um, um, I, I think that um, I, the lifestyle I want to live is alternative um, in the sense that I don't want children and I don't want to be married. Um, and um, I, I don't necessarily hear that narrative a lot um, from a soft voice, I guess. Um, I usually hear it like, you know, with a snap. I'm an independent woman. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm no snap here. <laughs> um, um, but I, I think that uh, I would like to be an example of, of just the human experience and um, living life on your own terms and not necessarily subscribing to all of the narratives that have been served to us and instead creating a narrative of my own that fits me specifically. And I think that would be like a remarkable feat for me. So what's your uh what's your leg? What do you want your legacy to be? My legacy? Yeah. yeah we working on it. We working what do you want it, it to be? It's developing. You might be saving it for some episode. Let him live. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am. Oh, uh, we'll come back to that. We'll come back. That's a good question though. You might be here for that. Um, you, yeah, fuck it. You could be here for that episode. <laughs> um, but. I'm sorry. Messed them up. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, okay. What is to kind of like wrap it up? But what what's one thing? What's one main thing, man? You want to say to the young black girls out there? Because representation matters, right? We all can agree on that. So what's what's one thing? You, even all girls, though. What's, what's, what's one thing you could say to all young girls? One thing you want them to, uh, to really hold on to? I got two things. When, when, I, when I think about it, I think of it more like to my younger self, and I know and I know that there are people out there in the world that are not me, but it's always to my younger self because reflections. Yeah. Um, but... Um, I think that for a long time, uh, I ran away from um, all the things that were like soft about me. Um, Ooh, that was part of what I wanted to say. That's part of what I wanted to say. Um, But, um, and uh, what I would say is your light is not a weakness. Um, Meaning that uh, that glow, you don't have to dim it for anyone. You don't don't have to uh, shrink you don't have to dim. You can be your big, bold, bright self existing in the world, and they will adjust. They will. It's not optional. Um, and, and I think that if, if more people um, knew that, I think that you would get a lot more softness. But I think that people want to be uh, safe. And a lot of being safe, I think Ignorant. we adjust it as hardness, though. Like we adjusted as like, like defensive and like elbowing people out of the way, but your light is not a weakness. So if all those things that make you soft and um, mm-hmm. relatable and um, tangible, if, if you view those as positives, if you view those as assets to other people around you, then you can share them more freely and you can be happier in the spaces that you occupy. And I, I think that that has been my biggest lesson of life thus far. 
Okay, so I'm kind of piggybacking off of what you said, but Blessings. I'm going to say it my way. So, like, the first thing that came to my head was, like, don't be a hard rock when you really are a gem. <laughs> Lauren Hill, um, I think that, you know, life can really harden you, but I think there is so much beauty in being feminine and you don't have to prove your strength by becoming something that is not natural to you that you are not and so really <laughs> you all right i didn't want to go crazy on the mic my bad really owning <laughs> who you are and your fi- your femininity um if if you're not feminine you owning that too like that's okay but just don't not being something that you that you aren't and i think and it like as a reaction to other people that's not really you yes and i don't care who don't like it right. mama says to daddy uncle cousin Bless. brother teacher they may not understand right now but they will get the picture when you knock them over the head with who you are down the road and a lot of the way that we attract negative experiences through our life is through by becoming and conforming to something that we are not. How do you get in alignment, get in sync with with the things that you really are attuned with? Is by being yourself. If you're conforming, you know, now somebody can manipulate you. Now you synced in with, with people that aren't really accepting you for you. So it's a win if, if people ain't fucking with you. Because you, you, Indeed. and the people that Indeed. that rock with you, they rocking with you because they recognize that you, you, and that is aligned with your path. You can miss a whole lot of bullshit by just being yourself, yep. you know. And it might be lonely at times, but it won't be lonely always. No, it's gonna pay off in the end. And just really not hurting yourself to life being inspired by yourself and i think like kids now have more access to um to finding their own path and being in tune mm-hmm. by by using social media appropriately you are what you're tuned into so if you're tuning into some fuck shit you want some fuck shit yep. and if you tuned into something that's in line with who you want to be and how you want to grow and develop like you're not limited by your age you're not limited by your gender you're not limited by your race you know, get in, get in line with that, whatever that thing that's inside of you, get in line with it and it will pay off. I love it. I love it. Where can people find y'all? Where can the people find y'all? <laughs> Beautiful Bullets Photography. That's the website. It's also um, one of my Instagram handles. Sierra underscore, underscore the creator is another um, Instagram handle for my personal page. Um, yeah, that's, that's me. Um, see, I am, uh, I don't have a website. I am, I have Instagram and that's it. I need to make my presence a little bit more known that way, but that yeah, way. Time, time, to, time to go ahead and be out there. Yeah. <laughs> I am, uh, it's time to get it. the dope black therapist on yeah. Instagram. Um, yeah, for, <laughs> for, for therapy, I am, um, local in Freeport. 
at FHN Family Counseling, and then I also work for Clarity Counseling in Rockford, which is a private practice. Um, so, yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Love it. Love it. We're all family. Yay. Thank you so much yeah, for, having for having us. us. This, was this was such a great conversation, lovely. and good to see you doing lovely. your thing. Yeah. I needed it, man. I needed this. I needed this. <laughs> I needed this. I needed to see our faces anyway, man. It's been a minute. It has. But this is how we grow, though. Yes. You know, we need to, everybody needs to do more of this. You know, sit down and have a conversation, talk about things that need to be talked about. Yeah. Not sugarcoat things, not hold anything back. Mm-hmm. Um, hold people accountable for what's going on, their actions, move forward. Um, and if we want growth, we got to be able to sit down and listen. Yeah. And learn. Yeah. So this is, this is like one of the many steps to do that. So I appreciate you, you all. Thank you. Coming through, Back you know what I'm making yourself available. I appreciate you, Black Man. I just yeah. want you to know yes. we love you. Yeah. Looking how you look, bless. I don't know what I want to do. Fear, 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 fear. No, but really, uh, thank you for creating a space for dialogue, uh, especially yeah. for Black men. Um, I don't, I don't have a Black man experience, obviously, but uh, I, I definitely uh, see the need for spaces like these. Um, and um, inspirations like yourself. So. Yeah. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, that's what we're here for, though. That's what training is about. Teach, reach, associate, isolate, nourish, thrive. They don't know. Now they know. <laughs> but, um, like I said, guys got to their social handles. Get to where they're at. Get in contact. <clears throat> My bad. <laughs> they had to call the contact. But um, we out here. We having a good time. Like I said, it's a crazy world out there. Um, be safe. Be you. Stay trained. Get to the social handles. Get to the website. I've been saying them all day. Um, I don't know what day this is. Maybe this is 12th day. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to make it. You got it. It's going great. You got it. It is, though. It is. I'm, like I said, I'm having fun with it, man, even though with the late ones. So this is like my fourth, fourth late one in a row. But I'm getting them done. But you're getting them done. <laughs> but you're getting them done. done. That, getting that's them irrelevant. Done. I'm getting it done. Getting it done. But I love this. This is two hours. <laughs> this is two hours. This ain't the longest one, though. Then over there, that shit was like four hours. We talk about abundance of things. Oh, uh, Brooks. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Yep, and abundance yep. of things. Yep, yep, yep. He crazy. <laughs> but I'm crazy, too. So that's why <laughs> it went the way it did. <laughs> but, yeah, this is fun. Like we said, it's therapeutic to me, yeah. so. Um, I think it was healthy for everybody to listen, listen to all this, you know. And um, with this, we all can grow. So I'm out. Y'all have a good one. Thank you. Anything, Bye, anything everyone. Else, anything else I like to say? No. We good. Thanks. Yeah. For the Thanks. opportunity. All right. We out. We out.